something up here. My preference is down there so I can just kind of feel like I touch you. Up here you seem so far away, but that's okay. We want everybody to be comfortable, and we want everybody to be able to see and hear, don't we? But how many of you know that there has been a line drawn? I'm, and not, I'm not talking, I'm talking about in the church. There's been a line drawn in the church. You know, I, I read to you, I think it was last week, the a recent uh, Barner report, and I, I'm still, I still can't process this, that those who call themselves evangelicals, that means they believe that you have to be born again. They believe in going out and winning the loss and all of this. 43% do not believe that God has a, a, a plan for your life. 40% believe that life is not sacred with another 34% saying abortion is okay if it, if it creates an inconvenience for the mother. Well, how many mothers would ever say that a child is not an inconvenience, right? But you love them anyway, right? 36% don't seek God on a regular basis. These are people that call themselves believers and 34%, oh, I've already said 34% believe abortion is okay. A line has been drawn and it's been drawn in the church and there's a polarization that has occurred in the churches. And that, that those poles of polarity are just simply based on what the word says and what the word is, say, is not does not say. Truth versus error. Truth versus lie. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. And you know, we talk a lot about cancel culture. Well, let me tell you, the nation can't cancel culture until the church is first canceled and the church has canceled culture, the kingdom culture I'm talking about. The church has canceled kingdom culture at large. I'm talking about the church at large. There has a line being drawn, and you and I have to decide which side of the line we're going to be on. It's that simple. Which side of the line are we going to be on? Are we going to stay on the side that says the word of God is truth, that God's word is truth, or are we going to be on the side that says, well, I don't know, you know, it's really ambiguous in a lot of ways. Why would we really want to believe this or believe that? We can, you know, so we, we have to decide what it is that we are going to believe. We've got to decide what we're going to believe. You've got to decide what God's plan and purpose is for you. How many knows that God has a plan for you? Let me tell you, I think I said this last week or maybe it was Wednesday night. I believe every one of us, everything that's happened to us was to bring us to this hour. We were born for this hour that we are in. We've got to take advantage of it. We've got to take advantage of it. And we were born for such a time as this. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? You know, last week we spoke about Lazarus. I said, Lazarus, arise. There's a lot of Lazaruses out there. And they're coming. Let me tell you, they are coming. It's that generation of people that have not yet come out of the grave. They have not yet come out of the darkness. They're still wrapped in the, in the death clothes and cloths. And they're waiting for somebody to call them out. And there might be those that you need to call out. I told you I also had my Lazarus list. And I, I pray for my Lazaruses and, you know, I'm with a group of guys on Tuesday morning and a couple of my Lazarus are in that group. And you know what? They just started talking about spiritual things, which we don't talk about in that group. Just if they talk, if they talk about it, I get, the door is open, right? I just can't get in there and say, open your Bibles to this particular group. So they start talking about dreams they had where one was held over hell. And he said it caused him to think, I've got to get my life right. And another begins to weep and talk about abuse that occurred. He said, I've never told anybody this, but I was abused at 16 sexually. And so we're seeing that God is making hearts soften. But when we start praying for Lazarus to come forth and we start praying for God to show us our Lazarus. And in you, every one of us has one or two or 10 or 100. <laughs> Depends on who you, <laughs> what, your, what your area of influence is. But let me tell you, you might be surprised who some of the Lazaruses are. 
You might be surprised. They might look just like you, smell like you, talk like you, shake and jump like you. And they may be as dead as a doornail to God. They may be as dead as they can be to God. So we're asking God. So we want, we want, our, we want every opportunity. And uh, I believe that there's a time when God is going to pour out his spirit. And I believe it's sooner than later. I believe we're going to start to see a, ma- a major resurrection of these Lazaruses coming forth. And the question is, are we ready to be who we need to be? And today the topic is Joshua arise. You know, you're a part of the Joshua generation if you want to be. If you want to be, you're a part of the Joshua generation. And so who are these, who are these Joshuas that are walking in the earth? They're the ones that are hungry for God. They're hungry for spiritual truth. They're looking for what is real and they're tired of orchestrated religion. And these Lazaruses are the same way. See, they're going to have that in common with them. You know, they're they're tired of that old religious protocol that just eats up two hours every Sunday morning and nothing changes. Are you tired of that? You know, I'm I'm right there with Wayne. I love Wayne. I'm telling you, he's my brother from a different mother. (laughs) But the same dad right he's got his mother's characteristics i got my my mother's but we got the same daddy but let me i better explain that right my our father right but you know what we don't like our time wasted and i I tell you we've decided a, a while back we're not we're not allowing stuff to waste our time we have too much to do for the lord and i'm praying about some things But there are those Joshuas. And so who are these people? The Joshua generation is a generation of leaders, mentors, and disciples who will be committed to equip and lead the next generation into a supernatural lifestyle. That was a quote. I don't know who it's from, but I thought that said everything I could ever say. A generation of leaders, mentors, that is you. Are you willing to be a leader? Are you willing to be a mentor? Are you willing to disciple someone? Are you willing to commit to them to lead them into that next place where they need to be? The first thing is doing, you know, is calling them out. God's going to wake them up. You can't do that, but you can call them forth. They are the ones that are passionate about leading generations to follow into the kingdom of God. They are angry and they're moved about the generation still being held in bondage. And, and they're not okay with people still being hung up in str- drugs and sex trafficking and pornography. They're not, they're not okay with that. They will not themselves stand for status quo Christianity. And they will not tolerate religion without power. See, this is the problem. We've had a lot of Bible taught. We've had no power to go with it. If we had power going with the, with the theology, I, this church, every church would be filled with young people seeking and falling on their face for God. Let me tell you, it's happening. They will not be brainwashed by sitting in front of TVs and computers and video games for hours, having their minds molded. They will, they will not be brainwashed by idle conversation with those who want to argue meaningless topics. You know, we live in a nation that just likes to argue for the sake of arguing. Joshua's don't do that. There's got to be a purpose in what we do. They're the ones who have no time for idle gossip and wasting time with foolish conversations. They're the ones who love the presence of God. And the presence of God is preparing them for the battle that's ahead. And God is calling them today to arise. Calling them to arise. And if we look back in the book of uh, at Mo, uh, with Joshua with Moses. Moses, not, Moses is not a book. Joshua is a book. But Moses had led the people out of bondage and had put up with the people for 40 years. 
that put up with the people for 40 years their disobedience. And, and you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Numbers 13, about how the, how the, the, the 12 were sent in and only two came back with a positive report, right? Everybody else that did not come back with a positive report was not allowed to go into the kingdom or into the promised land. Even Moses wasn't allowed to go in because Moses had done what he was supposed to do, right? And because of, of their disobedience, because of their lack of faith, only two were able, you know, this will preach, guys, listen to this. Because of their lack of faith in what God said, they were not able to obtain the promise. Think about every promise God has for you. Where are you in your, in your level of faith concerning that promise? Will our disobedience keep us from grabbing hold of that promise and having it a reality in our lives? We've got to believe what the Word of God says. We've got to quit empowering negativity. We've got to quit looking at the giants and feeling like we're grasshoppers. We're not. We are giants. We are greater. Right? How do you see yourself? And Joshua was commissioned just before Moses' death. This is so cool. Deuteronomy 34, 9. Listen to this. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because Moses laid his hands on him. Moses was his mentor. Moses was his discipler. Moses spent time with Joshua. But it says he was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. Let me tell you, you got to find that Lazarus and lay your hands on your Lazarus and fill that Lazarus. But you got to have something inside of you before you can transmit it, right? What have you got inside of you? Is it what's on the TV or is it what's in the Word of God? You know, our hands need to be like jumper cables. We hook them up and they just, you know, presence and power of God just fill the people. Bondages fall off. Sicknesses fall off. Addictions fall off. But there is a generation of Joshua's that are called to lead a new generation into the promises of God, into what they were born to accomplish. See, Joshua's are not about you, it's about others. Being a Joshua is not about you, it's about others. And I'm going to prove that to you. So let's look at some characteristics. There's five characteristics I want to give you this morning. And this is how you can know if you're a Joshua, but it can also know what you need to do to become a Joshua, okay? And we're looking right in the book of Joshua chapter 1. I love this book. I've talked from it many times, but it's always different when you've got a different thing going on in the world, right? But Josh, number one is Joshua's recognize their appointed time and they will not linger in the past moves of God. Joshua 1 and 2 says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving you. Moses' time was over. Moses did a great job. He was a great prophet, but his time was dead. His time was over. God's saying, Now it's your turn, Joshua. Every one of you are here for such a time as this. You've got to come out of that old dead thinking. You've got to come out of that old religious mindset. And you've got to become who God called you to become. And that's a Joshua in this Joshua generation. You're, so it's the greatest danger to any move of God is an old move that's still at work. The greatest danger to any move of God is an, is an old move that's still at work. It doesn't mean the old move wasn't valuable. It was valuable just like Moses was valuable in his time. That move was valuable in his time, but God's done with it. It's time to move on. And you look through the history of the Christian church and you'll see all the great moves of God. You'll see the great moves, but they were there for a time. They were there for preparation for the next move of God. And there's a new move coming now. We've got to be, you know, Miss Robbins was in her 90s when she died. 
You know, she was she and her husband were founding pastor. Let me tell you something. At 85, I said, I'll never forget this. Over there in her house, in her living room, I said, Miss Robbins, God is doing a new thing. This was in 2005. She said, why can't people see it? 85 years old. Why can't people see it? And I said, I don't know. God, open our eyes to see what you're doing, right? So when we won't let go and we realize what was necessary for yesterday is no longer effective today, we can be useful for God. So you can't win the, you can't win the next generation with the old methods from the previous generation. And we've got to tell you, we've got to, stay, we've got to stay in the now with God. We've got to hear what God is doing now. How many of you realize church is never going back to the way it was? Anybody? Now, the quicker, sooner we realize this, the better off we're going to be. It's never going to go back to the way it was. Hallelujah. Right? God is shaking. He's shaking what cannot be shaken. It's just like the leaves falling off the tree. God is shaking the church, and everything that's dead and done and had its season is falling away, and there's new life that's coming. The question is, are we going to be a part of that? I hope we are. I think we all are. So God is shaking. And dead religion is going to drop off like leaves on the tree. So we have, you know, we've never been this way before. And that's what the word, that's what was a word that was given to Joshua. You've never been this way before. We've never been the way we're going now. We better know how to hear from God. Don't go looking up somebody's, you know, five quick steps. and got a conference, 1595, and you can come and join my conference. I'm going to tell you how to grow your church. Forget that. Flush it. Right? God's got a way to do it, and God wants to show you how to do it. Let me tell you one thing, and the word for this church might be different than the word for the church down the street. See, every church has its own identity and its own purpose. The pandemic is an opportunity for God to shake his church and realign its vision, its purpose, and its future activity. The pandemic has been a great opportunity for God to shake the church. And let me tell you something. When God shakes things, they shift, right? What happens when things shift? Aren't they a little uncomfortable? You know, my back shift this past week, and it's been a little uncomfortable. So I had to go get it unshifted. (laughs) And it was uncomfortable for a minute. But let me tell you something. When you get lined back up, I'm telling you, you're ready to run then, aren't you? You're ready to run. But, you know, sometimes when God shifts things, it can also be uncertain. And it might even appear to be confusion. But you've got to be careful. You've got to know the difference. You've got to know what God is doing. And I'm telling you, I think when God shakes, decisions are made. When God shakes things, lines are drawn. And when God shakes things, people begin to rise to the occasion for what they've been called to do. And Joshua's understand the urgency of the hour. They understand the urgency of the hour. We have to know that our vision has to be God's vision in this new time that we're in. Or we're going to remain in the past with our old vision while God has moved on. I believe that there's going to be churches and pastors are going to be left behind. And Christians that are going to be left behind simply because they would not move where God is moving. And this is nothing new. It's happened through the years. Every time there was a new move of God, there were those who didn't want to move. And, they, and what are they, they're going to rise up against it. They're going to be critical of it. We cannot afford to do that. Even whether it's going on here or going on down the street in the denomination, it doesn't matter. When God's moving, let God deal with the people, okay? We have enough to do just to focus on God. So Joshua's recognized recognize their appointed time. Number two, Joshua's are faithful leader warriors for God. Verse two says, therefore, the time has come for you to lead the people, the Israelites, 
across the Jordan into the land I am giving them. He didn't say, okay, Joshua, go on over there and I'm going to set you up as king. No, he said, your job is to make sure they get what there's, what's coming to them. That's their job. Joshua's know when their season has come. I talk to so many of you and you say, I know I'm for this time. I know I'm for this season. I know I'm born for this time. Joshua's know that. And Joshua's have been faithful in the previous season. Let's look back in Exodus 17, 9. It's up on the slide. In, in 17, 9, Moses come in. Now, this is the first time Joshua actually comes on the scene, by the way. He just pops in in the middle of a war. I think that's pretty good, you know. <laughs> and it says, uh, choose men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. What do we see? We see that, that Joshua's are obedient. Joshua's are warriors. Joshua's go out and fight based on the commands of God, and Joshua's overwhelmed the enemy because they're leader warriors. And you look at the enemy that he was fighting. I think we spoke about this last week, the Amaleks. And, and what, what do we know about Amaleks? This is what the root means, those who bear secrets, those who ring and twist. Isn't that the same today? Do you see all the going on? Do you see all the secrets that keep coming? Do you see those who ring and twist the truth? We have the same, we have the same enemy today. We have the same enemy today. And what do they do? They change the language of the culture. That's how they cancel it. They cha- Listen to this. They change the language. What are they trying to do? They're trying to shut down the churches. So if they can't shut you down, they're going to change what you can say. I'm talking about in other states, not here. It hasn't happened here yet. But let me tell you, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I really do. So what do we do? If we can change what you say, we can change the culture. But whoever has the voice in a nation has the access to the culture. Whoever is the strongest voice in the nation can change the culture of a nation. Whoever is the strongest voice in a church or in your home can change the culture of your church or home. So we want to be careful that we're not allowing ourselves to give in to the language that's going out, trying to shut down the word of God. We have to speak. Is it 2020? Is that the year of the mouth? Pay in the Hebrew? It's the year of the mouth. It's the year of prophesying. It's the year of speaking what God's word says. We have, to, we have to take these things very seriously. And we look at how some things have just been dumbed down. You know, we, it, homosexuality, we don't call that that anymore because that's not socially acceptable. So the language has been changed to gay. Abortion, we don't call it murder anymore but because the language is not, it's not acceptable. It, it might offend some people. So we call it abortion or whatever it might be. Sexual perversion, sexual immorality, we just call it lifestyle, freedom. Because we don't want to be offending anyone. When the Word of God says those that do those things will not inherit the kingdom, we better be offending some people because we love them. You know what I'm saying? We offend them because we love them. We teach them the Word of God. This is not our Word. This is God's Word. This is God's Word. Amaleks were the arch enemy of God and of God's people. And they're considered to be the symbol of, of total evil in Scripture. Complete and total evil. They had given themselves over completely to evil. So Joshua's must know their name and they must know the, the, the covenant that God has for them in order to overcome. Number three, Joshua's know their covenant with God. So we've already, we've already had that Joshua's are faithful leader warriors. And I say, I put those together, leader warriors. And Joshua's recognized that their appointed time has come. So Joshua's have to know their covenant is with God. 
And verse 3 says, this is the Lord speaking to Joshua. I promise you what I promised Moses. Whenever you set your foot, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. I love Dan's prayer walk in Concord. Everywhere he puts his foot, God has given him. He's proclaiming God's word and God's will. He prayer walks through the week. What about in your family? What about in your job? What about on your schools? We need to prayer walk and claim that. He says, every place you put your foot, I've given you. That's the same thing he said in Numbers 13. He says, go look at this land that I've given you. They came, oh God, we can't do that. Those guys are big. Nobody said the enemy was going to be small. Nobody said the enemy wasn't going to be smart. But nobody says that you're not greater. Except you. The word of God says that greater is he in you than he that's in the world. It says in Luke ten nineteen that the enemy's underneath my feet. I've been given authority over all the miracle working power of the devil. Do we believe it? We better believe it. We better believe it. Then he said, from the Negev wilderness in the, in the south to Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. This is the promise from God. Do you think this promise is for you? Of course it is. Of course it is. But look at uh, Exodus 33. Why, was, why could Joshua just grab hold of that word and believe it? Let me just tell you why. Exodus 33, 11 says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face in the tent as the, as the man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Why? He wanted the presence. He wanted the presence. And the pillar of cloud that was there in front of the tent represented the presence of God that will remain at the door of the tent where the Lord spoke with Moses. Do we crave his presence? And then on verse 43 of 29, it says, talking about the tent, there I will meet with the Israelites and the tent of meeting shall be sanctified by my glory, the Shekinah, God's visible presence. See, in his presence is that Shekinah glory. I just read this week in Tozer that he said, don't think you're ever going to experience the Shekinah glory without total, complete humility. It's not going to happen. You can sing and dance and shout and think you got the best of this and the best of that, but until you're on your face in total humility before God, the Shekinah glory will not be yours. How many want that? We have the presence of God inside of us, don't we? Joshua never questioned the presence of the promises because he knew the presence. See, you can memorize scripture, but until you know the presence, you can't grab hold. You've got to have the Holy Spirit in the word to bring conviction, to, to seal that word in your heart. You've got to have that. And then nobody can take that from you. When you've experienced Jehovah Rapha, nobody can take healing from you. When you've experienced Jehovah Shalom, nobody can take the peace that God gives you from you. And you keep going back and going back to that same God because he's forever the same and forever faithful. And we want, we, want our, we want our experience with God to be more than just an intellectual exercise. We want it to be an intellectual exercise surrounded by the word of God, surrounded by the presence of God surrounding that word, don't we? Chuck Pierce says we ascend into worship so we can descend into war. We ascend in his presence so we can descend into war. Amen. Paul says our war is not people. Our war is not people. It's powers and principalities. 
We've said it so many times that it's, we're not fighting people. We're not fighting political parties. We're not fighting races. You know, we're all the same in God's eyes. What we're fighting is powers of principalities that's trying to, to destroy the kingdom of God in the earth. That's what we're after. And you know, the, the word Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. And Joshua's carry the presence of God. Number four, Joshua's possessed great strength and courage to lead others. Three times in Joshua 1, the Lord told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And he says, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. You're the one that's to lead the people. Be strong and courageous. And what's the difference between being strong and being courageous? To be strong means to become strong or powerful beyond the average or expected, whether physically or in one's constitution. To be courageous means to be able to face and deal with danger or fear without flinching. See, strong is an ability of strength. Courageous is an ability ability of character. To be courageous is about character. To be strong is about physical strength. See, you can, be af- you can be afraid and still do it. See, there's no, you know, we say, well, you shouldn't fear not. I mean, there's a lot of things people face that can be fearful. But let me tell you, courage can override the fear. If you've got courage, fear doesn't matter. You're going you're gonna to bulldoze that fear down. You're going to plow through that fear because your courage is greater than your fear. And God is calling the church to rise up and become courageous and quit being fear-filled. I'm working on a message called why the church is not returning to church. Why are people not coming back to church? And I've got, the Lord's given me a little something. You kind of have to wait on that, okay? You know, I love acronyms, so he's given me a little acronym. I don't want to tell you what it is. But God is calling his church to come alive and get out of this culture-canceling message of the day. We've got to get, we've got kingdom messages. We've got to have a kingdom culture. Do we have the strength and courage to do that? Or are we, going to, or are we just going to cowtail down and we're just going to say, oh, well, God, you know, these are important people. You know, they must know. Or, these are, you know, I don't want to lose my job. Or, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But see, strength and courage doesn't mean we don't have fear. It just means we don't let fear rule us. We just don't let fear rule us. God didn't tell Joshua not to fear. He said, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and courageous. Number five. Joshua's focus on and are obedient to God's word. This is so important. Joshua's focus on and are obedient to God's word. Verse 7 says, again, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may make good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And I love this next two words, for then. Then you're going to be successful. Then you're going to be successful, what? By meditating on the word, by doing what the word says. Then you're going to be successful. Only then will you be successful. And then you will have good success. That word meditate means something different than it, then than it does today. When we think about meditation today, we're thinking about all these practices where you kind of empty your brain and just let whatever float in, floats, you know, float in. But that's not what it meant. <laughs> The Hebrew word for that, it means to reflect deeply on a subject, to mutter, to read in an undertone, to proclaim, to ponder, to give serious thought and consideration, to to selected information with a possible implication of speaking in low tones, reviewing the material. 
That's what I came out of one of the Hebrew commentaries. The theological word book says the meditation of my heart is parallel to the words of my mouth. So what we meditate on, we mutter, we speak. We're constantly focusing on it. Another uh, commentary said a focus, meditation is a focus upon God himself, his works, and his law. Secondly, it's an activity that was done aloud. This is why God told Joshua that his law book would not leave his mouth as opposed to his heart or his mind. In other words, he's constantly muttering, constantly speaking. You see how important the voice is and how important what we speak is? It's very important the words that we speak. We don't have idle conversations. We're going to speak the word of God. It's very important that you don't come into agreement with the enemy. See, when the, when the doctors say you might have a sickness, okay, that's a fact, right? But the word of God says that I'm your healer, right? Now, that doesn't mean we don't move forward and do some things. We use wisdom, right? But all the time, God is saying, I'm your healer. I'm the Lord who heals you. We don't get weird. We don't get flaky, right? So we don't come into agreement with the devil. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. What am I going to do? I'm planning my funeral. I'm going to selling everything I have and all these other things that sometimes people do, right? So we don't want to do that. We don't want to get into that. So God's word is our boundary, and we shall not turn from it one iota. I've said it for 15 years to you, 40 years to myself. Know what you're going to believe. You better decide what you're going to believe. And that's what comes out of your mouth, not what the enemy says. A lot of people are afraid today of losing businesses, and a lot have been shut down. We're growing, right? A lot of church. What are we going to do? Half the church isn't coming. Okay, Joshua's are coming. Can I be bold enough to say that? Joshua's are coming, and we're going to go out and find some Lazaruses, right? So we have to be careful. And, and the devil wants to shut the church up so the evil can control the language of our nation. The devil wants to shut the church up. You've got to say, no, not on my watch. I'm speaking what God's word says. It's almost like a purification of culture. That's what they're trying. Yeah, that's what cancel culture is. It's a purification of culture. Now, do we need to get some things? But yes, we do. I'm talking about kingdom culture, guys. I'm not talking about the culture in the South versus the culture in the North. I'm talking about kingdom culture. And like I said, you can't cancel culture in a nation until it's first canceled in the church. And the, and the church has been in that process for some time. So we need to be very careful what we say. And we need to make sure that, that we are obedient, not just to speak it, but to do it. He, he said, Joshua, speak the word so you can do it. You meditate on it so you can do it. You meditate on it so you can walk in it. You don't allow anything to come into agreement with you that's not consistent with the word of God. That's who Joshua's are. You're going to need that whenever you meet the Lazaruses because some of them haven't yet learned how to do that. Some of them haven't yet learned that they don't have to be in bondage. They don't have to be sick. They don't have to be broke. That God's word promises them that I'll, I'll prosper you and I'll bless your life. But God's word also gives them a plan and a destiny for an exciting future, right? Not just become somebody that comes in and shows up on church every Sunday morning and then does nothing else. I don't want to be a part of that personally. So are you a Joshua? Do you want to be a Joshua? Joshua's let's just review. Do not stay in past moves of God. We learn from past moves, but we don't stay in them, right? You know, when I was in high school, I didn't stay in high school. I went to college, right? So I wanted, that was a past move of God was high school. Then I go to college. That's a, that's a different move, right? Let me tell you something. You need to always be learning. 
especially the Word of God. We never, we can never outgrow the Word. How many of you know, those of you that are students of the Word, you know the more you learn, the less you know, right? Yeah, it's amazing to me. I think, wow, where was this, you know, 20 years ago? The more we know or learn, the less we know. So we want to always be a student of the Word of God, but we always want to be hearing what God is saying. Number two, we, are we faithful leader warriors for God? How have we done in the past season? And you say, well, I didn't do so well. Okay, draw a line in the sand, repent, let's start over. You know, God's such a God of forgiveness and grace. Let me tell you, he's going to call a bunch of Joshua's out that's been sitting in the corner no one knows about. And he's going to call them forth to do what they've been preparing to do. Just like he's calling out the Lazaruses. Number three is they know their covenant with God. They know the word of God. They speak the word of God. They spend time in his presence. Number four, they possess great strength and courage to lead. They possess great strength and courage. They're not going to let fear knock them out of the game. You know, sometimes we don't even watch the news. You know why? Because I don't want, I don't want to be exposed to it. I like to know what's going on. So I, we have a few sources. But we don't really know when we hear something. I don't care which station you listen to, right? I don't care which one you listen to. How do you really know what's really true? You don't. You don't really know. So we just allow the Spirit to lead us and direct us. And we have those that we trust, right? So we don't allow, we don't buckle under fear. And number five, we're obedient to obey the Word of God. We're obedient to obey. We walk in the truth. We don't walk in error. We walk in the light. You know, one of my prayers during this 40 days of prayer and fasting has been, God, show me where there's error. Show me where I'm not seeing it clearly. Show me, Lord. And, you know, he's shown me a thing or two. And you know what? It was not comfortable. I'm thinking, well, I didn't know that was not right, God. Yep, no, that's not right. You know what? He shows you to help you up out of it. He shows you to help us up out of it and to walk. When we say he reveals to heal, he reveals to heal our hearts, our minds, our spirit. So God is calling Joshua to arise for the sake of others. It's always for the sake of others. You know, I told you last week I was watching that little series, God in America. It's an incredible series. I just got my DVDs, by the way, three bucks on Amazon. I got the DVDs. And you know what it said when they really got out of that old state religion and got into the religion where people were truly getting born again and finding that God, they could be in God's presence, they could have relationships, said the first thing they did is they wanted to start correcting what was wrong in their cities. The first thing they went after was slavery. How horrible. So those who had truly been born again said, we know this isn't right. This is not God's plan. While the other half of the church was recording scripture supporting slavery. See, they had, they had intellectual, but they didn't, have a, they didn't have the presence of God. God's not for slavery of anyone. I don't care what color you are. There's a lot of slavery that's going on. There's slavery going on today. God's not in favor of that. They started correcting schools and they started correcting the living conditions in the hospitals and the nursing homes and the caring for the elderly. See, that's what happens when you get born again. You start caring about other people. It's not just about you. And that's who Joshua's. Joshua's are always for other people. Joshua's are not about ourselves. We're about leading others in. I want to ask you, are you going to answer the call? Are you going to answer the call? Every one of you are here for this hour. Every one of you have been brought to where you're at today for this hour that we are in. And God needs us. We don't have time to waste. We don't have time to be idle. We've got to move. And we've got to be hearing God. And we've got to do what God says to do. Let's stand, if you will.
How many want to be a Joshua? I want all the Joshuas to come down here, if you will. I know you're a Joshua. I want to be more of a Joshua. I tell you, I love this prayer and fasting. But what happens is God shows you your stuff. And he'll say, if you want to be more effective, you've got to get rid of this. If you want to be more effective, you better get rid of the pride. If you want to be more effective, you've got to learn to love me and love others more than you love yourself. You've got to be willing to get on your face and humble yourselves. If you want my presence, right? God is a God for all people. I tell you, I, I just, don't we just love God? God, you see your Joshua's. God, I just praise you for the Joshua's. I thank you, Father God. I know there's some watching who are Joshua's. God, I just pray that you would just breathe into every one of us, God, your presence in a greater anointing, a greater level. God, we don't want to go out and try to raise Lazarus with old mechanical means and old church methods. God, we want to raise them with the power of God. God, we want to set them free and unwrap them, roll away the stone with the power and the presence of Almighty God. Lord, we're not interested in old worn out archaic methods that haven't worked anyway. God, we just want you. We just want you. We've never been this way before, Lord. We just want you. Lead us, Lord, like you led Joshua. God, I thank you for it. I pray a special, just an overpowering of your presence in the lives of these precious people here, God. Every one of them you've called out of the womb. Every one of them you've called for a divine purpose. Every one of them, Lord, you have a plan for their lives. And that plan is to touch others. Thank you, God. God, we just love you and praise you. Holy Spirit of God, we just ask you, Lord, to, to lead and guide and direct every step that we take. God, help us get over our foolishness. God, help us not to be satisfied with mechanical religion. God, we want the presence of Almighty God. We want to set people free. We want the young people seeing you, not us. We want to make you famous in Concord, at Impact. In this state, God, we want to make you famous. God, we declare it in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, I just pray blessing upon every one of us, Lord, that we can walk in a greater way. Lord, I just pray for every one of us, Lord, for you to point out our Lazarus to us, Father. God, that it will be like a light shining out of heaven. Nobody may see that but us. But, Lord, God is the one shining. That's your Lazarus. That's your Lazarus. Go get that one. Go get that one. Don't give up on that one. Yeah, they stumble, but don't give up on them. You stumbled how many times? God, how many times have we stumbled? And you've been right there to pick us up. God, let us never become weary, worn out. God, we thank you. God, and we choose to walk in kingdom culture. We choose to walk according to your will. We choose to love all people. God, we thank you for every opportunity you give to us to become Joshua's in this day that we're in. God, we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.